Hello and welcome back to Two Bar Stools and a Knife. I'm Professor Nate Dogg here with BP Connors and Chef John Noble Massey. Sorry, John, I don't have a fun little nickname for you this week, but I will by the That's end of the okay. show, I think. Do you have a nickname? Well, you called me Johnny earlier. Johnny I don't know. Boy. I yeah, I got Johnny Boy with us. We are all professors at FIU Chaplin School of Hospitality and Tourism Management, along with the Bacardi Center of Excellence. And this podcast talks about the hospitality industry then, now, and in the future. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, we're, we're glad you're here. Uh, before we get started, I've got a quick question to John and Brian. This, and, and we got Pete Carr on. We haven't introduced him yet, but I'm going to ask a really quick question. Hard seltzer, yes or no? No for me. No for you. Brian, yes or no? Uh, I like the new Bacardi product. <laughs> John, what do you think? Hard seltzer, yes or, yay or nay? Yay in summer, poolside. So I'm asking this question because I got a text last night, I don't know, nine o'clock from our boss's boss saying, what do you think about this hard seltzer stuff? He just bought a 12 pack and his exact words. And I wrote this down. I want to read it. So they're supposed to be like sparkling water with alcohol and a hint of flavor. It's like, yeah, that, that's pretty much their whole marketing design behind hard seltzer. So now um, in my office is a case of hard seltzer because he couldn't do it. So, Brian, Johnny Boy, if you guys are thirsty, um, when we get back to yes. a- after COVID, we've got some uh, some cocktails in the office. Just let you know, Nathan. The best thing to do with those hard seltzers is because they lack flavor and taste, except for the new Bacardi ones out. Is put a shot of rum that matches that flavor. So like Bacardi Coke on top, and we're actually teaching bars to do that because they're losing revenue as the younger generation is buying a, call it an $8 can versus a $12 cocktail. Mm-hmm. So get them to kick it up, at least they'll get 2 to $3 back, and it makes it more enjoyable and pleasurable to drink with a little flavor. Well, for people who are listening and never heard that voice, we've got Pete Carr on today. I'm going to let John do the intros on this one. John, you want to yes. uh, take it away for this? Wonderful. We couldn't be happier to have the regional president of Bacardi North America, Mr. Pete Carr, with us today. So hey. welcome, Pete. Hey. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I had nothing better to do. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. So So we are going to get right into the questions. And and that first of all, thank you for your support and your partnership. And thank you for the awesome Bacardi talk that you did a little while ago here with 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 Brian. Uh, I think our response on that was overwhelmingly positive. And uh, I'd love to hear in particular about the culture aspect of Bacardi and how that mirrors with our own here at the school. I, before we get into questions, I want to make sure that, that Brian does a quick Bacardi update because that's super important with us with students, and, and I'll ask him to do that, and then we'll get right into the questions. Perfect, guys. Brian. Well, welcome, Pete. And uh, yeah, guys, uh, all things Bacardi moving quite well. Uh, got a great update this morning from Dale Gomez. Our Bacardi teach is roaring. We've had over 600 courses already taken. Uh, We're looking at adding new content on a regular basis. For those that are listening that have been enjoying the courses, just remember that the the content takes us a little bit of time to turn it around, but uh, in the next week or so, there'll be some more content going up there. So please check back to BacardiTeach.com or BacardiTeach.fiu.edu, which is all well and good. John Massey also mentioned uh, Bacardi Talks. Our next one will be coming up in July. We'll be announcing who our guest will be for that, but we'll be trying to do that uh, once a month. Pete did a great job with his team in that first one. Yeah, Pete, we had just shy of 600 people on that one was the final tally. 
So that was a lot of people that enjoyed that. We got some really good feedback on that. Impressive. Well. Yeah, it was great. And then, of course, uh, the Bacardi courses are available this fall. Please remember, gang, that they might look a little different. Uh, that's still to be determined with the current case that's going on now. Uh, but if you have any questions regarding any of our courses coming up, please feel free to reach out to yours truly, uh, Nathan Dodge, Christina, or ask your advisor. Uh, we'll definitely point you in the right direction. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, scholarships is closed. Uh, we had just shy of 70 people that applied for the scholarship. So we'll be reviewing those and identifying people in need. But uh, that's just a, not a one-time. We'll be continuing doing that with our relationship with Bacardi. So Pete, thank you for that as well, where it was great to see that much people that were really kind of um, in need, number one, but were able to help out. Uh, with Bacardi scholarships. That's what we're good. So that's all things right now on the technical side from the Bacardi Center of Excellence. I'll throw it back over to you guys. Um, who had our first question for Mr. Pete Carr? Was it John? I did. I did. Yep. And, and it's just amazing how far we've come, Pete, since that first walkthrough that we did. I guess it's almost a year ago at this point, but I know you've come a long way in your career uh, with Bacardi. And I'd love for you to reflect on that a little bit. And in particular, we've got our students and other industry listeners out there that may be interested in pursuing a path in, in beverage in the spirits world and how any advice you may have for them. Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on the podcast. But more importantly, uh, we as a family of Bacardi are super excited to partner with FIU and the Chaplain School of Hospitality because we saw just a big, a big opportunity in terms of working with young consumers, people that want to get into the industry and really build their careers. Um, and more important, get trained on how to operate and own a bar, how to make cocktails effectively because that's the fastest growing category even right now during COVID. Spirit sales are at an all-time high. And brands that we wouldn't anticipate, like vermouth, you know, uh, that you need a cocktail ingredients are, are through the roof. So a lot of people are learning how to make their own cocktails. They're ordering cocktail to go kits. So it's a really interesting time as to how consumers are reacting to being, quote, kind of locked up during this time period. But a little bit of background on myself. I've been in the business for over um, 30 years. I interviewed with Gallo out of school. And I told myself, my girlfriend at the time, my wife of 32 years now, um, I told her at the time, I said, you know what, if I've been drinking booze for a couple of years, I could be selling it. And there was E&J Gallo Winery. I interviewed with them, got hired, sent to Chicago from Nebraska um, and lived in downtown Chicago and started as a merchandiser. They start you as a merchandiser. And I would encourage everybody. I have a daughter in the business she started as merchandisers. Now she's a sales rep on the wine side, and then she'll slowly move into other roles. But you really, it's like owning a restaurant or bar. Start as a bar back or start as the, start in the kitchen busting tables or whatever it is. That's where you learn the kind of the ins and outs and you get that work ethic and that discipline and appreciation for doing jobs that you think you're probably better than or smarter for. But you go back and if there's one job that I learned more that still helps me in my decision-making process, it was from being a sales rep um, on the streets, carrying a bag, loading cases, putting them on the shelf, or working as a bar back during the summer, or ringing beer in college for my buddy who uh, 
work behind the register to get a free six pack or 12 pack after an hour's worth of work. But um, started as a sales rep, became a district manager within Chicago in two different territories. So I was in Chicago for probably about three plus years, learning the ins and outs of the business at the wholesale level. So you start at the wholesale level, then went to work uh, for the Gallo Winery specifically in Eastern Iowa. So I go from downtown Chicago to Eastern Iowa. Try convincing your wife to do that. Who's originally from Southern California. I was born in Davenport, Iowa, which was kind of funny because I never lived there. Worked there for about a year and a half, running territories, learning how to manage wholesalers. So now I was on the selling side to the retail originally. Now I'm managing distributors as a supplier to help um, build them out, program brands, and still working in the, in the trade. From there, I went to Kansas City, ended up, I managed half the state of Iowa, went to Kansas City, pretty much managed the whole state. So now you're getting state experience, working with chains. You're also working with the wholesale from there, left and went to Hubeline, which used to be, um, is now the Diageo of the world. So they put, it was Grand Met, then they bought IDV, then turned into UDV. So worked uh, within that in Houston to learn the spirits business. So I started off in wine, now I'm doing spirits. Went and did some headquarter experience in Connecticut, uh, managing the country for the vice president of sales. So I worked real closely with him, whether it was working the operations, finance, marketing, um, logistics, whatever it took. I became very much like a jack all trades and got your corporate experience. From there, I decided to go work on the brand teams. So I worked on Smirnoff brand team. So got a lot of experience because a lot of salespeople really don't get an opportunity to be a marketer or pretend to be a marketer as my degree was really in communications. So I worked on the brand teams for about two and a half years, went back out into the field. So mind you, I've made 14 moves in 30 years. So I always say chase opportunity, don't chase money. Do the jobs other people think they're you know, too good for or don't want to move to that small town or don't want to work in that smaller restaurant. But what you do is you grab such a breadth of experience every time you move that it really starts to add up and you start beating your competition because of the experience in the background. So then I moved back to Texas and ran four states on the spirit side and then made a bold move and left and started up Red Bull with about 10 other guys. And I remember going to my parents, I had two kids at the time, and going to my parents and said, uh, hey, look, I'm going to move your grandkids to Atlanta to sell Red Bull. And my dad goes, let me get this right. He goes, you were working a very lucrative, profitable spirits business, and you're going to go sell a $2 can of sugar water. I said, yep, pop, I'm going to do it. And I was a big runner at the time, and it was like cutting 30 seconds off a mile for me. My hair was on fire, and I thought, this stuff really works. And really saw a consumer need that was a void. People always need energy. And so now I'm doing non-alcoholic. So I go from doing wine and kind of a little bit of beer to um, spirits to now I'm doing non-alcoholic. So now I've got three of the biggest categories, right? The only one I miss a beer and I'll get to that one. So I do Redful for about three and a half years, have a great experience. I'm more involved in the on-premise than I've ever been. 
because that's where that um, brand took off first and foremost. So I'm working with on-trade owners, reps out at nightclubs, out of all types of different venues because Red Bull was so unique and, and different. And it really pairs well with vodka. That's, I'll be honest, one of my go-to sugar-free and Grey Goose. Enjoy that cocktail. Um, it's, I call it the pick-me-up cocktail. But I did that for about three and a half years. And then an opportunity came to uh, go work at the Guinness Beer Company because an old boss and mentor was now running the Guinness Beer Company. And he wooed me over to do that. So from there, I was managing Southeast uh, for Guinness. Had a great experience, really liked it. And within Diageo, which is the largest spirit company, you have a beer division, they used to have a wine division, they have a spirits division. So the person around the spirits division asked me to come to the spirit side and manage that. From there, control states. I went on to be the president of control states, then the president of Guinness, then the president of Diageo, and made a bold move to go back inside the wholesale operation of Glaciers to run a division within that out of Texas. Wanted to get back closer to my folks, thought it was a great opportunity, and said, you know, what the heck. Another opportunity to run a big entity, 17 states, of a multi-million dollar family business, which is, was one of the major draws. And so I did that for was four and a half years. And then Bacardi came knocking on the door and said, hey, look, we love you. Come work at Bacardi. I have a younger sister who's 20 years younger than me, Katie. She was already there. And it was a company that had kind of lost its way um, five years ago. They really needed a strategic turnaround, needed investment in the brands, needed to change its route to market. And I felt very comfortable going to work for a private um, company. And it's been a great experience. It's allowed us to, uh, we moved our entire operation from 39 different distributors, really to one within Southern Glaciers that gave us a North American footprint that nobody else um, has. It gives us a real competitive advantage in terms of manpower and investment. And they think as a private company thinks too, long-term, not short-term, not quarter to quarter, but we think about years at a time. And that's how we actually led to FIU and the investment. It's something that we, and I personally see about one, giving back to the community, but really developing talent early on in their careers and having them stick within the system, whether they go to hotels, whether they work for the distributor, whether they work for us at Bacardi. And it's the same thing we do at Southern. And we transfer talent back and forth to double and triple people's career paths because you could go from being a bartender to own a bar to saying, I want to get out of the bar business to being a supplier or working within the wholesale network. So in a nutshell, that's uh, how I got here. Pete, I just want to follow up on that. So I know as a faculty member at FIU, along with Brian and John, we are, we are so happy that you're able to, to, to work with us. And and definitely the the donation was amazing. We just, uh, right before we had this call, we were on faculty Mm -hmm. convocation and the, the students that we are bringing into the school, we are so excited about. And we do the same thing. We are looking not at semester to semester. We're looking at, we want to see them graduate in four years and really get a great job, especially at companies like Bacardi or Southern Glaciers or Hilton or Marriott, wherever they want to go. So, so we appreciate your outlook on our students. Cause I know that, I know that we all, at least the three of us, we feel the same way about our students and looking down the road. And that's a great point. I remember getting out of school and asking myself, I knew what I was going to do, 
But there was nobody, and I think this is an opportunity where I have a chance to help other folks out and kind of show them where the career paths are and the opportunities are and to be patient and make sure you learn things along the way. Because I look back and I kind of blindly fell into it. I always had this thing, I'll chase an opportunity, I'm not afraid to move. I grew up in the Air Force, went to three high schools, six grade schools, and lived in two foreign countries. So I was adapt to new environments and moving. But the one thing I look back, I really never had a great mentor or somebody that was teaching me or Mm. could at least envision this is where you could potentially go. And that's where I think being part of this program that I've got people in all stages of their career that can come in and talk to students who started uh, Heidi, who's our lead contact for FIU and working with Brian and the team. She started really in the entree and she used to work at Bellagio and she used to be the F&B director. So she can walk people through that career opportunity um, as well. That's huge. That's huge, Pete. And, and the fact that we're bringing students something that is real life and experiential and the dean, one of the things that, that uh, the dean brought up on our convocation call was we're already kind of the premier hospitality program but he sees the opportunity through the partnership with Bacardi to be the premier spirits management educational uh, place. So yeah, why so stay number that. one? Well, we can why be number one now? We can stay number one forever, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think from us working together, bring in and I forward uh, the dean business articles and stuff because I think is. As it stays top of mind, you can have those honest conversations with your students. Like, how do you manage a bar right now? Some you can't even open. How do you manage a restaurant? How about the yeah. see that see that segue coming there, John? See that segue? Yeah. yeah, hey, yeah Pete, just great. so you know, then then of course Dean Chang forwards whatever you send him directly to me. He's like, you got to read this. Pete sent it. I'm like, all right. Well, yes. usually it's right on point, but that's a great segue into kind of my world of questioning. You know, last week we had, uh, you know, Lee Schrager on from the South Beach Food and Wine Festival and Bacardi's a huge supporter of that. On okay. Sunday, we do the Bacardi Carnival. But, you know, we, we hit a very positive uh, note and we had a great conversation with Lee, but when we started talking about the level of innovation that we're seeing in our industry. This week, I was on a call with a lot of the other Bacardi, the Bacardi University uh, out there. And we started looking at what this business looks like. You know, the, the first thing before I kind of look at the future is what do you think is the best way for brands such as you uh, that have very high uh, visibility, uh, but you also have great relationships uh, out there with uh, owners, providers, distributors? How, what's the best way to help right now in this very interesting time that we're in? You know, it's, it's all hands on deck. It's a great question, but there is no specific answer to, to be quite blunt. It's, um, the teams that have been out there, whether it's uh, providing hand sanitizer, whether it's um, after the riots, just helping people clean their stores, help them get back on their feet, guiding them on what to purchase as to what consumers are push, uh, buying in liquor stores for at-home consumption and what they have there. It's the insights that we can share and, and mine quickly by all the different agencies and connection points that we, we get and we share with them because people are learning every day. Nobody has the answer, but everybody wants to take whatever information you know they can get. And what I've really seen um, from a lot of restaurant owners, especially the ones that are independent, is it's a fight for their life and they're not giving up. So they come to us and say, 
help us with the go solutions. Um, what can we do differently? What are you hearing from the West Coast? What do you see? I mean, the minute we saw people beat the system, meaning kind of some of the laws and they put their furniture when they couldn't have it in their restaurant, they put it in the parking lot. So go find some place to park and put up, it looked like tailgating, put up tent. That got spread immediately. The different to-go solutions, whether it was coffee cups or cocktails um, inside of it or bags, you saw bags tied and you just poke a straw in there. But um, it's amazing the resilience that young or any entrepreneur has because they know what they're not going to have anymore. So I've seen a fight in people that I haven't seen in a, in a long time in a real sharing and caring attitude of, hey, look, if this is working, I'm happy to share it because I want other restaurants to survive. We're estimating that 20 to 30 percent of our restaurant and bar business will not be back immediately for at least a year or two. Yeah. You know, and that's funny because, you know, it, it, when our relationship started with FIU and Bacardi, uh, I know you're passionate about entrepreneurship and innovation and so am I. But, you know, it's funny that my outlook now or my strategy for the innovation fund for Bacardi is now different. And it has to be because we're seeing a completely different business model out there that I want to capture and I want to kind of almost bottle it and figure out the best, no pun intended, uh, but the best way to kind of how do we capture that creativity in people and keep this going? Like you said, you know, yeah, it was kind of weird grabbing your first to go cocktail and then jumping in your car and they gave you a straw, but, you know, we're going to figure it out. So with that all being said, you know, you know, what does 2025 look like? You know, I know you don't have a crystal ball. Trust me. But I also know that you're a you're a long term thinker, that you're thinking of the future already. And I, I know you're always talking about your best 10 and, and where you're going to be getting there. But what does 2025 look like? Just spitball. I mean, just kind of go for it. You know, 2025 is not far away. It that's is not. Five, it's really less than five years. So if you think about it, people are creatures of habit. People socially want to interact. We're seeing the, the 21 to 34 year olds are, you know, almost the feeling of COVID proof. They're out, the minute that bar restaurant opens up, they're out and about. We're seeing the 34 to call it 55, a little more cautious with kids at home um, or have other priorities. Really kind of, they're going out, but they're not, um, they'll, they'll go out and buy food, they'll bring it, bring it home and make a cocktail. And then 55 plus is kind of a mixed bag. If, if it's your got no kids, uh, empty nesters, they're going out. Anybody above that is really cautious. But, you know, the big thing is we never would have thought of to-go solutions. We didn't think government would allow to-go solutions. You're here in states like Texas, Arizona, and uh, Georgia, that usually are very conservative and strong-willed are saying, you know what, we got to help out our, our patrons and we got to allow them to be able to, to give cocktails to go. So batching is a big thing that's um, I don't think bartenders are really used to, to doing because we've gotten requests from big companies to say, can you teach us how to batch? Can you give us a bucket that will allow us to batch or, you know, big picture that will allow us to batch right so we can bottle cocktails and things like that. We're doing three, seven, fives with uh, Chewy's in Texas. It's three, seven, five and two bottles of margarita mix and straws and cups and limes in a, you know, almost little to go uh, thing that you normally put ketchup in. And we sold out. 
I mean, Cinco de Mayo was through the roof. Yeah. People ordering online and how do we work with Grubhub and the other to-go solutions. I think iKitchens, you know, cloud kitchens are going to be a thing for the future as, as well. Personally, I think everything, and I'm an optimist, I want to see a cure for this thing. And I think once that happens, we're going to see the business almost get back to normal because that's the one thing we see is people miss their friends and their family and they miss cocktails and being around other people. I, I can speak for these two knuckleheads too. That I, I miss jumping on my boat and heading out and, and tying up in my favorite watering holes on the river here in Fort Lauderdale. But it's really the, the social interaction. You know, it's that sense of normalcy. And even my fiance, she's like, man, I just, let's just go get a drink somewhere. And we're very cautious. You know, you know, she's in medical, so she's very cautious on where she goes. We were just down in the Keys over the weekend it was busy down there and it was a little weird for me. It was, it was legit busy. And I was like, Whoa, I haven't been around this many people in quite a while. So we yeah, shall people see. are excited to, to get out. They've been pinned up for what? Two and a half come up on three months. So three months. Yeah. Three months. It, you know, the other thing I hear a lot is they want to support um, the bartenders. One of the things that I've allowed uh, my team to do is we did back to the bar where we give everybody 50 bucks plus $20 tip and go out and spend the 50 and tell the bartender we're here to support them. We want to make sure they're, they're back in business. Tell us what's happening. We just did Juneteenth. Go out and Black, uh, black Lives um, Matter and go and support um, Black-owned bars as well. Do the same thing. But our folks are out there uh, front lines every day trying to support and build the on-premise the best way we can. And when they weren't there, we put them in the off-trade. So now they're learning a new skill set and they're helping to hand sell and uh, put product on shelf in you know liquor stores as, as well. So we've utilized them. We made a commitment. We don't want to get rid of any of our on-premise people because we know that business will be back. And we know that that's a competitive advantage and strength for us. You know, and it's amazing. And I'll throw it over to Nathan Neth because you had a good segue there, Dodge. But, you know, Pete, you made a great conscious decision to not let really any of your team go and to kind of work through this. And I think that's a great leadership on your part. Yeah, that's really amazing. Really that's a awesome good, that he's able to do A that. good move, you know? That's called yeah. being a private company and betting on the long haul and not yeah. just don't have to worry about a quarterly statement. I can I can bet long-term. It's a company that's been around since, what, 1860-something? So we, we, hope, we hope we've got at least another couple hundred years in front of us. Yeah. 158 years, yep. It's going strong. It's amazing. Hey, actually, I had a couple questions. First one, actually, the second one's going to be about bartenders because I am curious. But for those of you who did not listen to the uh, Bacardi talks that we had a couple weeks ago, which we are going to have another one coming up, Pete had a great story about how you guys got started with uh, hand sanitizer. And it was a story that made me giggle. So do you mind uh, telling that one again, Pete? Uh, no, no. So um, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, um, somebody called me and said, hey, the governor wants to talk to you. And I go, like, well, yeah, whatever. I'm much too busy for somebody like that. I'm just joking. And he goes, no, he's going to, he's going to call you. I'm like, okay. What do you want to talk about? Hand sanitizer. Like, okay. So not knowing much about hand sanitizer either, but understand the importance of it. I'm sitting out in my backyard talking to somebody and I'm like, it's now five 30. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to go get a cocktail. So I walk back in the house, pour cocktail. And I joke with my wife. I said, you know what, let's go out and talk. But if the governor calls, I'm going to have to push you aside and talk to him. So we're just sitting out back on the dock. Next thing I know, there's a number from Tallahassee. I haven't seen it all. I'll see it's Tallahassee. So I pick it up and he goes, he goes, 
Pete, he goes, this is the governor, Ron Santos. I go, oh, hey, I've been expecting your call. And he says, uh, we do a little small talk about what's going on in the world. And he's, um, I think he's ex-military. He's, so we talked about the service. Um, and he said, let me tell you why I'm calling, hand sanitizer. We want, we want you to produce hand sanitizer. You can do that. I said, yeah, but the FDA won't allow me to produce it the way we need to without possibly getting sued or, you know, uh, people abusing it. He said, well, a good friend of mine is the head of the FDA. I said, well, if you can remove that barrier, we'll produce hand sanitizer. So sure enough, he goes, expect a phone call the next day. So the next day I get a phone call. Um, I can't think of the gentleman's name, but he's, uh, hey, I understand you got a problem. We end up figuring out how to work through it. We get the attorneys all situated and we start producing it. So, um, and it went a long way because it went to all first responders, uh, really made a difference in the, in the community. And it's not free to produce hand sanitizer. It, it does cost money, but it was the right thing to do, again, for Bacardi to contribute. And we're actually making more hand sanitizer. And this one actually looks like rum, smells like rum, but you can't drink it. Um, but it's a, it's a different uh, flavor. So we're excited because there's still, we didn't anticipate this need going on. But there is still a big need for hand sanitizer. Oh, I know. When you said that the hand sanitizer thing during Bacardi Talks, the, the chat was lighting up. Where do I get hands? I want some of this Bacardi hand sanitizer. Like, calm down, calm down. We'll, we'll get you hand sanitizer. The only bad side is the one that I have in my car, and it's not a Bacardi product. We picked it up on a road trip to the West Coast. It smells like bad tequila. So, Dodge, that wouldn't work for you. No, so, no, no, Pete, no. Nathan had a, a bad tequila. Good experience. tequila to me is bad tequila. <laughs> No, no. Oh, Patron. Yep. yep. That's uh, my go-tos on both those. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, Dodge. Go ahead. All right. So my other question really was talking about bartenders. So I know that, and first of all, that the $70 to every employee to go out drinking, we need to talk to our boss <laughs> if we can do that, because that sounds like a terrific idea. I think we should definitely go out. Is that a hint, hint, hint to Pete? It was a hint. If you are listening, uh, our, our beloved Dean, $70 per person just to go out drinking would be wonderful. It's, no, it's, but, it's but market, seriously. Market research, Nathan. Market that research. sounds yes, fabulous. Research. <laughs> research. It's all about research. So what what's going on with bartenders? What are they saying? What are they doing right now? Because it's still tough. Like, I went out to dinner. Went over to one restaurant. The bar was shut down. Table service only. No bars. Another bar I went to, um, it was weird. Like you had two seats and then there had stanchions set up. So you couldn't sit right next to other people. It was very strange. But what are bartenders saying? Are they crying? Are they saying it's going to get better? What's go, what, are, what conversations are you having with them? Part of it is um, nobody, nobody knows. They miss actually seeing their regular friends, you know, people that come in on a normal basis and it's kind of their, their, their hangout. They're coming up with, they're very interested in to-go solutions. They're very interested in what brands should I be purchasing? They're interested in pouring off what they currently have before they buy anything. So they've, there's a limited selection. They'd like to give their patrons, uh, you know, 10 different scotches to choose from or a couple different vodkas to choose from, but they're really limited as First off, selling everything off so they can actually start buying what they need to buy. And it's frustrating, but I understand it, you know, because uh, they're in survival mode. And it's, it's tough not to have people sit at the bar because rather now they're just making cocktails and they're not interacting. 
you know, some of them are therapists, some of them are, you know, have the best jokes, you know, some of them can tell you who's who, what's what, where to go in the city. And now everybody's at a table and they're kind of isolated behind the bar, just making uh, drinks. When in the past, when I would go out and I travel a lot, is at least two nights out of the week, I would sit at the bar uh, with whoever I'm having dinner and just listen and watch because they have the best insights. They'll tell you how your brand's being purchased. They'll tell you how people are drinking it. They'll have good ideas for you. They'll give you new ideas on uh, trends that they're seeing, like Mezcal. Um, somebody was telling me about the uh, popularity of Mezcal. We have Illegal Mezcal as a partnership, but it was like four or five years ago. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then we started exploring you know, the options. But they usually notice the trends on spot them a lot of times long before uh, we do um, because they're seeing it night and day yeah. think of like fernet nathan you know what i mean it's, you love know, me some fernet yeah that's also the, uh, i'm a you know a recovering sommelier and uh you know that was that was always after doing too many wine tastings what do you want you know you want either a cold beer or fernet and now fernet took off out of nowhere so it's, it's interesting but it's it's great what you can learn with uh, a five dollar tip yeah um, grand marnier look at grand marnier that was a bartender's yeah position. give me a give me a shot of grandma um and that's, you know, that brand literally lived within the bartender community before it really kind of took off out, outside of Margaritas. Uh, you can go to my other home, home, hometown of Newport, Rhode Island and still find plenty of Grand Marnier. I was uh, never a bartender, but I drink a lot of Grand I actually drink a lot. So maybe that just makes me... <laughs> never mind. We're, we're going to talk about something else. Yeah, people. Get the right brand. No, no. Hey, I love Grand Marnier. Any, <laughs> any, any liqueurs. And we were just talking about adding liqueurs and cordial carts to catering parties uh, in our conversation earlier. Pete, I was really super pleased to hear your comments about, you know, in terms of student advice, pursuing opportunities and doing things that at an entry level and moving those forward. I, one of the things that I share in my restaurant class with students is that the studies that have been done show that seven of every 10 restaurant owners, independent restaurant owners have started at an entry level position. And I think each time you go to a different job, you pull something. And, and you and I share, uh, as much as I, I share the passion for Bacardi products, I also share a passion and we're simpatico on Red Bull. And I know that the way that they manage their business is so different. And I'm just curious, what are one, of the, one or two of the things that you pulled from your experience there that you're applying to your role now? You know what's interesting is I um, grew up in a military family, right? Um, everything was pretty structured. I, I didn't live off an Air Force base until I was a junior in high school. We thought it was fun to run from the MPs because they didn't have anything better to do than to chase you know, kids sometimes. And, you know, it was very structured. And then I went into very structured companies, Gallo, Diageo, um, and that's what I saw. When I went to Red Bull, it's the closest I've ever come to running my own company without the financial risk. Because I always said, oh, I want to go do that on my own. But it's you have to balance that. And this is what restaurants and bar owners do each and every day are an entrepreneur. Is you're kind of you're betting everything on it. You're betting on yourself. And I knew I had the capability, but I didn't have the financial means. So when I went to Red Bull, it was so startup. I took the Southeast region. I think I had 10 employees and we were doing maybe, maybe 5,000, 6,000 cases. And 
I had to build from scratch um, and take all my years of knowledge and understanding and really apply it from an entrepreneur perspective. I mean, going to little warehouses, that was my distribution, having product dropped off there, going and buying at Hertz or renting five white vans, uh, going to the Shell station and, and buying gas cards. People thought we were doing drugs. They were like, you know, see us coming in and out of these little warehouse facilities and we were hand selling it. And it was that small a company at the, at the time. And we went from three or four distributors to literally, uh, I think it was over 35, 36. And we built that business day in and day out. We didn't have computers. We didn't have phones. There was no network. Everybody was just like an independent operator. And we were dealing with kids, that skateboard kids. I was used to dealing with young adults that maybe had families. I'm dealing with kids that are, you know, skateboarding and they're hip and they're cool and they're different. Um, but it really opened my eyes up. as has been cool like Brian. I had to reprocess and make adaptable to the Red Bull world. So it forced me to change as a person, as a leader, and learn more about individuals that didn't have business sense, but had yeah. business. They knew the trends. They were cutting edge. And they were teaching me as much as I was uh, teaching them. And it was a, almost like, and we do this at Bacardi, especially around the e-com field, reverse mentorship. So I have people that are in their mid-20s that are actually, I sit on a call with that tell me, Here's what's going on with um, TikTok. Here's what's going on with IG. What's IG? Instagram and all these things. So it's really as a leader, you, you always have to be willing to learn because the trends are coming so fast that if you sit back as a leader and just wait for them, you're going to miss them. And then if you can't get the younger folks to be able to have access to senior management, we're, we're, we're dead in the water. Hey, Pete, we've got the Bartenders Guild, and Christina, one of our producers, is in charge of that. And they would, I'm sure, love to talk to you about whatever they think is going on right now because I know they've got some pretty cool stuff that's going on. So, yeah, I know Heidi. Um, she's my go-to when it comes to the on-premise and what's going on. But she's got a ton of insights um, as well because she's uh, managing that side of the business um, day to day. So I sound smart because she updates, she updates me and I try to get out as much as possible, but yeah, I'd love to support and help out. I, I thought I was young when I was, I'm 40 and 44 now, but I thought I was young. It was, no, I'm not. No, I don't know what half the stuff is going on. I'm IG. Yeah. TikTok. Our yes, game is come big on, on TikTok. Nathan. I don't know. Well, our, our boss just challenged us, uh, Pete, to, to get on TikTok uh, as well. So you know, Pete was in the room with me when Chang or one of you guys was picking on me when I even pitched TikTok. I think we we're actually at your corporate office, Pete. I was like, what is he talking oh, gosh. about? Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, hey, let's get into some fun stuff. Uh, well, this I, wasn't we, fun? No, no, no. Fun. Come on, hey, guys. Okay. You, know, you know how much yes. due diligence I do with this. This is called, this is our, our quick rail questions. Pete kind of has a little bit of an idea, but it's going to be called the, the on the move edition. Uh, Pete's moved 14 times. That's insane. But uh, we're going to be starting in Nebraska. Maybe we'll have a little bit of uh, uh, Texas in there, but uh, we're going to be having the on the move edition. Does that sound good to everybody? I like it. Yes. All right. So let's, uh, let's start out in the, the corn husker state, ladies and gentlemen, where the N is for knowledge, allegedly, Pete. Uh, there you go. There you go. It takes All right. a little while to get that, but don't yeah. think about it. It's all good. So uh, the easy one, all right, Warren Buffett or Jimmy Buffett? 
Ooh. I got to go Jimmy. I love the islands. Uh, <laughs> love rum vibe. Yeah, I'm going Jimmy. But, you know, of course, we all love our portfolio. So big plug for Warren Buffett as well. So it's all good. <laughs> all right. Uh, question for all of you guys. Uh, do we know what uh, beverage was invented in Nebraska? Ooh. Something what? with corn. Corn. What beverage was yeah. invented in Nebraska? That I do not know. Ooh. All right. Do not know. Well, this is leading up to our next question then. And there's also a brand that was developed in Nebraska that has a certain uh, Italian flair to it there, Chef Nasty. Anyone know what that is? In Nebraska? In Nebraska. Are there Italians in Nebraska? There's a statue of the... Oh, no, Pete, don't look it up. He's looking it up. There's probably an olive garden in Nebraska somewhere. All right. So here we go. Okay. Here we go. Am I going to be embarrassed? No. All right. Kool-Aid or Chef Boyardee? Ooh. Oh God, that's an Italian brand. Well, come on. They made both of them in Nebraska. One. Yeah. Of them? Well, the, well, the, the the question is that what do you prefer, <laughs> Kool Aid or Chef Boyardee? <laughs> both invented in Nebraska. I know wow. the stadium is the third largest city on a game day uh, in Nebraska. Yeah, absolutely. It's all good. All right, and then uh, we, how about this one? We'll throw a little Texas in here, and I don't want to mispronounce this brand, but Runza, Runza. Runza, yeah. Runza, and they're, that's they're Nebraska. That's Nebraska. All right, so you have your your hot pocket, your meat pocket, or your football, yeah. as they call it there. My sister or, at uh, Runza. She was Runza a manager. This is literally, uh, guys, if you don't know, a mixture of ground meat, onions, and cabbage, and it's the original hot pocket with cheese. All right, and this is a thing. It's actually the in the stadium at Nebraska. Okay. Yeah, well, you know. Okay. Uh, All right. So we got. We, let's put this against. All right. Whataburger, which is a Texas brand. So Whataburger or Runza? Which one are you going to have? I'm a burger guy. I got to go Whataburger. My Whataburger. Kids, my kids, we were just back there for Father's Day. We surprised my uh, parents and enrolled in the first place. My youngest one wanted to go is he had to go to Whataburger. Yeah, it's, it's a thing on that one. So it's good. All right. So uh, me being the Irish guy on the call, uh, you know, I'm 100%. Well, Pete, I don't know. Pete, you might have a little Irish. I'm Irish, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, and with your experience with my beloved Guinness Stout, which takes uh, 119.5 seconds to pour the perfect pint, ladies and gentlemen. Where have you found the perfect pint of Guinness in the U.S. market? Perfect Ooh. pint. And, you know, we did such a great job of educating. We really uh, did. <laughs> There's, I mean, tough to... Um, Pick one. I'm trying to think of without calling out because I'll get hate mail. Um, well, you can put it. You, you can give us a city because that's leading up to our next section. You know, uh, Georgia has some great pubs, yeah. and but New York probably has the best by far. You got mm. mine. Was uh, it's no longer around? Was the littlest pub in Boston, Massachusetts? Uh, yeah, and then in it Ireland, great, a great uh, Guinness Guinness market as as well. And then in Ireland, it was Flurry Bats and uh, Ken Mare, where I lived as a kid. So it's all well and good. So, but a, a good proper pint of Guinness, oh, nothing better. You know what nothing I mean? Better. It's just like it's it's just like heaven in a glass. All right. So well, our our, our next section, yeah, our next section. All right, is uh, this is our drinks edition, just for you uh, because it's called the on the move section, Pete. Uh, we're gonna kind of have some fun and name some cities, and then when in your if you're in that city, and if you you get one pass, just one pass only. Uh, and guys, feel free to add in here because we, we had some fun putting together this list. What are you drinking in that city? All right. So we're going to name the city. Most of them have uh, a colorful drinking history or ed- uh, 
hospitality, uh, if you will. Uh, so, for example, New Orleans. What are we drinking in New Orleans? Oh, hurricane. Hurricane. Johnny? Yeah, hurricane. That's traditional. Uh-huh. Hurricanes, hand grenades, or a Sazerac. I like a Sazerac. Sazerac is what I was looking Ooh. for, but nothing, be- nothing better than old school walking down the street, a bourbon street with a hurricane. Walking down the street, getting loaded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, one of my favorite cities, uh, Key West. Pete, what are you drinking in Key West? Whew. That's um, a beer and a shot of Patron. Yeah, there you go. Chef Noble Massey. Bacardi 8 on the rocks. Oh. You do Pina Colada, Bacardi Pina Colada, yeah. Yep. I had that down on the notes there, too. Nathan Dodge, what are you drinking in Key West? Yeah, I'm going to probably drink rum down there. I go down to Tavernier a lot, and usually we're killing bottles of, of eight-year-old rum in Tavernier. So Key West, probably the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going wasted away in Margaritaville, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going... Can't do uh, you know that. Well, I can. I'm doing Patron <laughs> yeah. on the rocks with salt, and I was just in uh, Island Marotta over the weekend, and that's what I was drinking. All right, just a couple left here, guys. Charleston, South Carolina. Pete, what are you drinking in Charleston? Ooh, that's uh, that's a good one on the water. Um, trying to think what would be uh, tasty. Yeah, it, I would. You know, I gotta think about that. You guys answer. Let me think. Think of bourbon. 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 There you go. Going there for go. something. Yeah, like a. Um, yeah, something bourbon. Old fashioned. Old fashioned. Something like that. Yeah. Fashion? Big cube. You know. You're I'm going. That, that's a little hot if you're indoors, but if you're outdoors, what would you drink? Like a mint julep. I'm just thinking you're outside. Yeah, it's very you, you just got me Maybe thinking. A you know. Maybe a spritz, a St. Germain spritz. That would be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Just getting ready for the evening. I like a little Bombay Sapphire. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, there you go, John. There you go. Bombay yeah. Sapphire. Thank you. Sapphire right. Lemonade. There you Sapphire. go. Oh, that sounds delicious. There you go. That's my that's next that's right tonight. Go. I've got some. I've got both. There you go. Great call, okay. John. It's like we have a yeah. problem here. All right. I think All we right. do. Couple, just two more to go, guys. Here we go. So, Austin, Texas. Ooh, Austin. I'm gonna. You know what? They have the big, giant gobble, uh, goblet type glasses. I would do Cadillac Patron Margarita. There you go. Mm-hmm. When, when in Texas, ladies and gentlemen, on that one. Anything on those guys? When in Texas? No salt. I was just thinking like a Shiner Box, some good Texas beer. Yeah, I, I, a cold lager with my barbecue. All right, and the last minute, the last minute entry today was uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. I think you're at Angels Envy on the rocks, headed into the evening. See, nothing better than uh, we're, we're going round and round in all these great cities with great hospitality and a great uh, spirit culture, and we all have these different choices of drinks. And we're all so stuck like, in South Florida. We can't yeah. travel. Hey, hey, we can't. Hey, it could be worse. It definitely could be worse. Oh, you can travel across all of the countries in your back bar, Nathan. Come on. That's true. I could. I can. I can. I can. You got it. Now, that's us for that. Pete, thank you so much for your time today. This is always a pleasure. Thank you for your support for FIU Chaplain School. Uh, you know, we're looking forward to actually getting you in the classroom. Uh, I think you're going to be dynamite in the classroom uh, as soon as we kind of get, you know, a big enough audience for you. No, I've seen the classroom picks and the work that you guys are um, doing. Um, yeah, I'm super excited um, to, to see the students, see them all and get everybody uh, up and going. Because I, I know there's such an appetite for um, for people to, to learn and grow. And I think that's what's unique and different about our industry is there's, 
more caring and giving and want to mentor and bring people along because we all know what a awesome industry this is and what great potential it has. And it's, in my opinion, hospitality is going to be around forever, whether you do it at home or whether you do it for a living. Um, but that's, that's the kind of the general cue that brings everybody together, yeah. friends, family, and a good cocktail. Absolutely. Chef John Noble Massey, any closing comments, sir? No, we really, really appreciate you coming on, Pete. We appreciate your partnership with the, the Chaplain School, and we look forward to the future. Thank you. You got it. Uh, yes, Professor Dodge, you look like you're I, deep in thought. I am. So I just wanted to thank Pete again, and, and we really do appreciate everything. But for all of our listeners, make sure that you um, please ask at least one of your friends to listen, subscribe to the show. We want to keep this go- thing going. The best way to do it is to have more listeners. So if you like us, tell other people you like us. Tell them to listen to uh, Two Bar Stools and a Knife. Make sure you check us out on iTunes. Give us a like, give us a review, tell us how we're doing, tell us what we're thinking. Um, also, if we, um, every Friday we do post the poster with our show, so repost it. Tell everyone that you know that you like us. And hopefully we're going to get some swag, get some shirts made up with our logo, with FIU's logo, with Bacardi's logo. Right, Pete? We're going to get some Bacardi's Where are you shirts. going with that? <laughs> some swag? And whoever will repost the most, we're going to send them something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just made that up right now. Uh, No, I'm kidding now. But hopefully we can get some stuff and um, get some more followers. Please follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, follow us on wherever you find podcasts. John, do you have anything else? I saw you flapping your arms. No, no, no. That was, uh, remember to, if you're going to listen, give us an awesome rating. We appreciate your support. Appreciate it.